Hey, welcome back to the Mostly Good Podcast. This is Nick Jones, and I will be your host. So today's episode is brought to you by, I'm kidding, I don't have any sponsors. We're not that big yet. Um, but today's episode is pretty amazing. I think uh, it's going to be something that clearly resonates with a lot of people because it's something that is pretty uh, important. It's something that is ongoing here in America. So for today's episode, I have asked my friend Sean, uh, who is a black man, to come on and share his experience of what it, it means to be a black man here in America, but also the current climate, how we got here, you know, what can we do about it, and uh, just continuing the conversation that we started on a few episodes back. Me personally, I think you're going to love Sean. Uh, he has a military background. He is an architect. He uh, has police uh, in his family. And so he has a unique perspective as somebody who is not only a black man, but somebody who has served his country, somebody who has family members who have served their country, and uh, people who are police officers. So I think he has a very well-rounded response to everything that has happened as a country, but also where we are going now. And I think he has uh, some pretty good insights for you. So I think you're going to love today's episode. I hope you stick around and listen to it. And if there's any topic you would love uh, to hear on this podcast, let me know in the comment section at the Mostly Good Podcast on Instagram, uh, or feel free to leave a review on the uh, Apple Podcast uh, app and let me know what it is that you would like to hear uh, to be discussed. All right, you weirdos, I'm going to let this thing roll, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Mostly Good Podcast. Mm-hmm. I can bet you, you you probably get around some black people and probably get a little little bit comfortable. I know you get fed good. Black culture is an, an experiential culture. When when one person hurt, we all hurt. When one person celebrate, we all celebrate. Last night, Lauren and I were hanging out with a couple friends, and okay. we were chatting just about everything, obviously that's going on in the world right now. And the realization that we all had was we feel sad that it took us this long to care. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So when I say that, it could sound like what I'm saying is that for all of our lives that we had a blind eye and that we were racist. That's not what I'm saying. Right. What I am saying is there have been plenty of moments where I've had conversations with family members and friends where they use language that I don't condone. And I have to have that tense conversation where it's like, hey, man. Not cool. Not cool, yeah. So those things happen. However, I I feel ashamed that it took me till I was 31 to speak out, though. Wait, you're 31? 31. <laughs> 31 years to finally be to the point where it's like, I've, I've had enough. I'm tired of seeing injustice. And right. And something has to be done. And it's... So one, I feel ashamed. And two, I feel like I owe you an apology because I don't know when I messaged you to ask if you would do the podcast... I saw, I was like, oh, I wonder what else we've ever chatted about, like in our Facebook Messenger. And so I just scrolled up just to see. Uh-huh. And one of the things was you sent me, it was 2014. Wow, that's and, a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, I know. And you wanted to do, uh, you, you had like a survey about race relations and like you asked questions about like wow. upbringing and all these things and I didn't even respond. Man, I think that might have been saw a that, dude, blanket. And I was just like... I'm really disappointed that I didn't even bother to respond. <laughs> no, now, I whatever. Think... I don't know what my headspace was at the time. Maybe I felt like I didn't have anything to contribute to the conversation. Who knows? But whatever the reason, I just looking back, it's like, man, 
That's no, disappointing. Wow, you're going to make me go back and look. Look it up, man. It's there. I was like, man, that is very disappointing. No, I don't I don't remember. I know um I vaguely remember somewhere around there that I had um I did send out some stuff, but it was kind of blanket. I was just like um sending stuff to a lot of people. Yeah. Probably more people that that cared to hear. <laughs> um because I was trying to gain information uh about I think let's see what happened there. Was it no, was it Trayvon at that time? 2014? I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I, I never remember dates. I suck. I know. Y'all can events, beat me up. Um, but I, it may have been around then. And, you know, me, I'm the type of person where I always like to jump in and say, all right. Um, you know, I tell my kids, I'm a bridge type person. Mm-hmm. And for what, what that means for me is I like to jump in and say, all right. Here's one view on the left. Here's one view on the right. My job is is to jump in and let's 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 find a common ground and uh, uh, let's let's get a better perspective. The middle. It's like the lie and the truth, and you got to find. It's like the, yes. the story. I mean, I feel the like lie. things on either side, are and you got to navigate that middle to find what the truth is. And mm-hmm. I've always, you know, been that way um, my whole life. So I think I've been looking at a lot of issues in our country. And just just trying to find that happy medium where we say, hey, look, this is what's going on. This is what you feel. This is what you feel. Mm-hmm. Now let's really take a look and see what's going on. And I do vaguely, vaguely remember that survey. I might have to go back and look at it. Yeah. But I remember sending that out just blanket to mm-hmm. almost all my Facebook friends or whatever at that time. But uh, uh, here we are today, you know. Um, we, we could sit here and cry about spilled milk, but sure. no, we, we, we're here today yeah. regardless of what happened yesterday and um, we're here having a discussion and it's funny because you apologize for that, but I've known you prior to 2014. So it's not like it was like, Oh, I'm not going to respond to this because I'm a racist. (laughs) Like I've known you, you know, ever since the sloppy wet kiss, you know, (laughs) wait, Paul, I I got your phrase what that's about. Right. (laughs) That was the sloppy wet kiss guys was a worship song. And, uh, um, he changed the lyrics. It was, what song is Unforeseen that? Unforeseen Kiss is what yes. people would say. And I was like, no, the lyric is Sloppy Wet Kiss. I'm going to sing Sloppy, Sloppy Wet, Wet Kiss. Sloppy Wet Kiss. And we were out. It was that worship night on yep. the football field. Uh-huh. And we were people just, I like was it. like, yeah, man. <laughs> you know, the teenagers, the kids were all loving it. So yeah. that's what the reference is, guys. Yes. <laughs> There's no Sloppy Wet Kisses between us. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually working on something now. Okay. And uh, I think I want to call it Walk Across the Street okay. um, because the idea stemmed from, um, so you ever heard that statement, you ain't from around here. Yes. Okay. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Yeah. And the idea comes from that and the fact that um, even long time ago and sometimes now mm-hmm. people say, you know, you belong on the other side of the train track. Yep. Okay. So it's just a street or a train track or a road or whatever. And I begin to see a lot of times we don't walk across the street to get to know our neighbors, whether it's our neighbor directly across the street or just the neighborhood on the other side of us. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to say names, but I'll give you a perfect incident. I remember a few years ago when I used to live in a nearby city. <laughs> um, well, 
I'll just say when I lived in Savannah, I remember yeah. talking with some teenagers and um, we had our, our, our youth pastor had, you know, we were kind of talking about this issue, not as intent as here, but um, we were just talking about getting out in the community and kind of diversifying and getting to know other people who don't look like us. And obviously I would mean getting out in the local community uh, and mixing with the black kids and the Hispanics down the street and all that. And I remember they were talking about going to play basketball. And I was like, you know, we had this whole idea. Look, let's do a barbecue. You know, we, we got money. We can do drinks and food. Just go over there and play and just cool out and have fun. I mean, this park was basically two streets over almost. Mm-hmm. It would have been a hop, skip, and a jump. Nothing for us to go. And I remember one of the statements from one of the students was, I don't want to go over there and get shot. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, is that your thought? And I remember asking this student, like, you, you serious? That is that That's your thought? And I was like, why would you say that? Oh, because, you know, the, the shootings happen. I was like, your shootings happen all the time. We would hear it at this church. And I remember having other conversations, just people not wanting to go out and talk. And I'm like, why? So now I'm thinking about, you know what, let's start to walk across the street. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got some ideas and I'm working on it, um, how we can implement that. One of the things is, you know, I'm going to open my home as soon as this coronavirus goes away. And uh, But what I'm going to do is just invite people of all different backgrounds, um, socioeconomic status and political affiliations to sit down and say, let's have a dinner because food unites people. Food is Absolutely. food is a unifier. And so I want to, you know, soften the tone by have some food. And then I want to just engage in conversation and get to know people. I think we'll realize that we are more alike or got more things in common than we actually think. I mean, most people want a safe house, a safe environment, first mm-hmm. neighborhood. Want their kids to go to a good school. I don't know nobody who don't. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. All, all the parents I know with kids, you know, we, we look at the schools and like... That's why I moved here. I want my kids to go to a good school. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everyone has that opportunity to move somewhere to go to a good school. So Mm -hmm. we all want the same thing. We want a good paying job where we can afford to take care of our families, maybe do a family trip, maybe have Mm -hmm. some money for Christmas, et cetera. And so we got all these same ideas. You know, politically, we may align different, but we got the same intentions. I think if we start spending time together and get to know each other, the difference is, we begin to go away once we really get to know each other. I can give you a pass when I know you. Right. And and not that it's an off the wall comment, yeah. but I know I, I know Nick and it's like, oh no, it's it's not like that. Then we can talk right. and I say, Man, why'd you say it like this? Right. Oh, this is what I mean. Okay, okay. Yeah. But if we don't know each other and, and there's a comment or a statement made, it's like, dude, whoa. Mm-hmm. It's already, it becomes a confrontation immediately. Right. Yeah. Cause you don't know, I don't know what you mean if I don't know you. Like if you come up to the street, not you, but just any person, any person that I don't know of any shade, if you were to come up to me and say something, I don't know how you mean it. I don't know you, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm excited that, uh, we're having this conversation. One of the things I've, I've been thinking about, and I've been talking to a lot of my friends and actually believe it or not, um, our church, Seacoast church, um, mm is having these conversations. And even today, um, if you guys get a chance, go check out Seacoast Church mm-hmm. and uh, check out our, our service from this morning. Um, what's today's date? Yeah, June 7th. Yep. 
check out June 7th uh, service. We were kind of talking about this and we talk, we, we are getting some things going also in the community. Um, but we've been talking about this a lot because of what's going on. Um, I want to say educate yourself. It's really important for people to educate themselves. Um, we are a society that believes in higher education like we are. For the most part, everybody's like, oh, I want my kids to go to college. Why? Because they want their kids to be educated. Yes. The knowledge cannot only be for work and all these. It can't just be that. Sure. We have, have to get. Job. Right. We we need to get knowledge as well about things that are going on. Um, you could probably say street smarts. Yeah. We need we Absolutely. need to get knowledge like outside of this intellectual knowledge where mm-hmm. I have a degree. Yeah, and we're that's just the end of figures it. that you memorize. Right. Yeah. There's knowledge that we need to get to understand people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, even street smarts about what's going on in the community, what you can mm-hmm. do one place that you can't necessarily do another place. Um, right. We need to get knowledge about cultures. Culture, mm-hmm. Cultural ignorance is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember in the military, uh, before you PCS and go somewhere. So when I was in... Virginia, and I was getting ready to go to move from Virginia and go to Hawaii. I actually had a class. I had to spend a couple of hours. And uh, even when I got to Hawaii, like one of the first things they did is, you know, you sit down and you have a class about the culture there. Mm-hmm. Same thing when I went to Afghanistan. And, and I was a soldier in Afghanistan, and we had, we had some local national contact. But we got a class on the culture there, the customs. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when I was in Afghanistan, I'm left-handed. And so it's taboo to do things with your left hand in that culture, because in a lot of the uh, now this may not. Well, okay, let's (laughs) I'm I'm a straight shooter. I'm a straight shooter. So I'll just say one of the parts of our classes, um, they would use their left hand Uh when they go to the bathroom. Okay, so then that makes sense. It would seem insulting then. But if I'm a left-handed person and they see me eating and things with my left hand, it's like, oh, that's tap. This guy's nasty. Okay, so he's not clean then. Right. Okay. He uses his left hand, but now he's eating with <laughs> okay. that hand. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So it's a cultural thing. Yeah. We don't do that here, you know. Yeah. But it's a cultural thing, and I think if we got culturally educated, mm-hmm. you know, um, it would it would bridge a lot of gaps. And, right. and understanding because um, I've, I've heard it a bunch of times, you know, stereotypes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, would you want to say black people this or white people that? Uh, uh, but right. they're not necessarily true because I know a lot of white people that eat fried chicken and it's across the board. It's not it's not, you know, a white mm-hmm. a white people need to get educated because they're they're black people that need to get educated on things, too. It's, it's not a it's, it's not a one way road. Mm-hmm. It's a two way road. We need to both be in this together as as a human race. Sure, yeah. You know, that's the only race that really matters. If you talk about uh, uh, with God, that's all he's looking at is all of us as one human race. And we're all the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of us got a little more melanin than others, but right. it don't matter. We, we're still the same. Last time yeah. I checked, if I cut you and you cut me, we're going to bleed the same color. It's funny because if you look at, Society, we are at a point of shock factor right now. For sure. When when I first saw the video um, of, of George Floyd, I got to admit, I was taken back to Rodney King. Mm-hmm. And um, you might be too young 
to know to I was too young but I, I did I did see it later you you yeah. saw it later yes. right I, re- I can remember the Rodney King incident and I was in I want to say middle school maybe my freshman year of high school but I, I remember it and to watch this uh I think I want to say it was either eight or 18 one of those numbers is sticking out of my head I think it was an eight minute long video of him getting beat mm-hmm. and then to watch him get acquitted I mean not him but the police officers mm-hmm. get acquitted and then the fourth one you know no uh sentence n- nothing they, they couldn't come to a, an agreement it's like were you watching the same tape as me where were you guys yeah and so and that was one of the first cases that we had caught on video Pretty now actually yeah now mind you this had been happening absolutely but no one it's it's like when you look at um Selma mm-hmm. these people didn't believe that you know blacks were getting uh not being uh, uh allowed to vote for whatever reason and being beaten and sick dogs on and hosed down with water hoses and then when the news people were out there because the uh other people joined MLK mm-hmm. and the news were there and then they got it all on the news it was like oh I can't uh, this is happening we need to do something. We're in that same era because we're starting to see, whoa, 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 this this is happening? For real? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just this one-time thing? Whoa, it happened over there? No, it happened over here? Oh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe we need to do something about this. That's the thing, though. I mean, I feel like this is the part that the, the shame comes in. For me, it's like, y'all have been telling us for a long time that these things have been happening and for whatever reason we've all just looked the other way as if well well, where's the proof as if that's what's necessary it's like we should take your word for it we should listen to what you have to say because you're human and we should try to come to an understanding of i can't understand it i can't fathom it but you're going through something and like what can we do how can we help and we just we just haven't done it i feel like that's where white people have dropped the ball where we just we didn't want to hear it and then we complain about the methods of how you know people of color want to talk about it we go well you can't protest peacefully we don't like that (laughs) and you can't kneel either because we definitely don't like that and it's like well what other options are there you know and we can't i mean what are we what are we expecting um uh it's funny you know i've i've had more of these conversations and more thinking about a lot of this lately and so many things are running through my mind. Um, I want to back up because okay. you, you talk about um, peaceful protests mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason or way people do things. I, I do watch, I look at, you know, um, go back in history and look at what Martin Luther King did, but I also look at what Malcolm X did. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of people don't like to talk about Malcolm X because he was so militant and he was this this strong man who said violence. I'm all with it. If if he said his famous words were by any means necessary, and a lot of people don't like to look at him or mm-hmm. or his thoughts and his beliefs and how he um, worked because he was a Muslim and he had radical ideas. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not a Muslim, 
And I don't have radical ideas, but I look at his leadership and I look at the way he approached things, mm -hmm. you know, and even even the, the Black Panthers. Like, let's let's take a, let's take a quick snapshot because mm -hmm. people, again, don't see systematic oppression, you know, and I and I look at these things and I'm like, well, how could you not see it? Mm -hmm. So if we go back in history and. um if we look at California, you, do you really know how California became this really um, a, a state that didn't really have that became so stringent on guns? It actually happened in the 60s. OK, because uh, what was happening was Black Panthers, before they were known as what they were known today, mm -hmm. they started as an organization. They began to feed communities. They began to watch over their communities because the Ku Klux Klan was going through neighborhoods and stuff. And, and there were cross burnings and, and beatings. And the police weren't going to protect them. Right. So the um, Black Panthers began to form their own neighborhood watch communities. And then Black Panthers, and of course they were armed, okay? Then they began, they said, okay, we're going to protest. And they began to protest on the state's capital. Legally, you could bear arms, mm -hmm. even on state grounds then. And um, Reagan and a couple of other people, and even with the NRA, was like, whoa, we, 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 these uh, black men have guns? They're on the state capitol? We, we can't have this. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, the KKK and other organizations and people had been doing this, and it wasn't an issue. You know, they could care, openly carry their guns, and it wasn't a problem. People looked the other way. But now you had minorities doing this. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, you know, I tell you what, nope. We're going to close this down and no one can have weapons. Matter of fact, all of you guys, no one needs these type of weapons. And if you do, we're going to put it such in a huge expensive stamp on it that where you got to really have the money to be able to do it. AKA, if you can't afford it, you don't need a weapon. AKA, you know, poor people or minorities and blacks included yes. should not have these weapons. Yes. So that's where this systematic or systemic racism mm -hmm. and things come to play. Um, if you look at housing, because mm -hmm. a lot of people, you know, we talk about the, uh, for right now, police brutality is at the front. No, this is a whole plethora of issue. If you look at housing, right? I mean, yeah, I bought a house in a nice neighborhood because times are a little bit changing. But my grandma and them didn't get that same opportunity. I just watched a movie called The Banker. Was about Afri uh, uh, two African American men, two black men. Y'all got to me, give me. I go back and forth with saying <laughs> African American or black. Um, I have views on it, but anyway, I grew up in the '90s, so I prefer saying black. But uh, it was about two black guys, two investors, if you will, who worked in real estate and then bought a bank and then got this bank to start lending money to blacks and minorities so that they could buy houses in white neighborhoods. Why? Be, excuse me, because there was this thing called red lines where yeah. banks and government started to red line or draw red circles around neighborhoods to say, this is a predominantly minority neighborhood. We're not going to invest in these communities. We're not going to let people get loans. We're not going to build it up. We're going to put our money elsewhere. And this was in the 60s. And a lot of people don't know that. So, you, And you have these policies. These are policies that banks and, and government institutions have put in place. So my grandma, that was a factor of my grandma, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, fought 
fought those things. Um, you have uh, the same thing within schools. Yeah, we, we got desegregation of schools. Um, but I, I tell people here, you know, I just I, I look where I'm at. And if you look in North Charleston, there's a lot of, quote unquote, underperforming schools. Um, and but yet, if you look, we got if it's not the top school, it is one of the top. I think it's within the top 10 or top five. But I believe it's the top school in the nation. Top high school. OK, uh, that's impressive. In in North Charleston, it's uh, I, I want to say it's academic magnet. I think that's the school. But. If you live across the street from this school, you can't necessarily go because it's a charter school. You have to apply. Mm-hmm. You have to be accepted, which is okay. I get it. But at the same time, if I live across the street from that school, I'm like, why, why can't I go here? Why do I have to be a bust across town and then go to this underperforming school? Now, because this school is per, quote unquote performing, mm-hmm. lots of tax dollars are thrown at this school, whereas... My school that I get bus to because I'm quote unquote underperforming, it's not as doing as well and I don't have as much money for my school. If my school is not performing well, okay, mm-hmm. teachers don't even want to be there. They're not getting paid well. And I, I get the conversation about teacher pay across the country, mm-hmm. but like I said, in, in what you want to call them inner city schools. It's a lot worse. And my school is not funded as well for programs and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, you know, maybe I'm still living with grandma, grandpa, or my family who lived in government housing or a previously red line zone, mm-hmm. okay, which is there has been little investment in this area for a reason. Right. Even since the 60s, okay, just don't believe me. Go drive around your community and look at what you consider the bad areas mm-hmm. and then do a history on how long that area has been, quote unquote, bad. Just do a history on it. Mm-hmm. And you can see that you follow the tax dollars. OK, you'll be able to start to see that. Right. So you have all these negative things compounding that area. What can you expect to come out? So if I overdraw my bank account. So basically, my bank account is always in a negative. What do I spe- expect to get out of my bank account? Mm-hmm. Nothing. It's in the negative. Right. I can't expect this area to produce. And then that's not a statement to say that black people in black communities don't produce. I am talking about systemic issues that make it harder. Right. Okay. Yes. For the black community and minority communities to overcome and those are just it just makes it more difficult for you right so So, you have to work harder right so i think the problem that like the things that i see on facebook from other white people they say things like well i've had hardship and i had to work hard why can't they and okay just stop if they can't recognize why that (laughs) is messed up i we're not saying um like, okay, because I've been hearing this a, a little bit with Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. and, and all these things. And we're not saying you haven't had hardships. Absolutely. We're not saying that maybe your upbringing wasn't tough. Sure. We're not saying that. Actually, you want to know why I'm in Charleston? Mm-hmm. The reason I moved to Charleston because I couldn't get a job in Savannah. Mm-hmm. There was, I was um, told 
by some other people who I knew um, when I was looking for work um, as an architect, you know, I told, said I graduated from SCAD. And I won't I won't say the firm's name or, or any other people's name involved. But I remember talking and trying to get a job. I saw that they had an ad and, you know, this is doing the slow upswing from the recession. And I was just told, no, we are we're not hiring. But I remember seeing the ad mm-hmm. for them hiring. And I was told by another person, another architect who had a great I had a great relationship with that they probably wouldn't hire me. And I was like, I didn't understand. What, what do you mean? mean? Yeah. I was like, they just no. It's um, what did their statement say? It was uh, they said they were they end up saying, oh, they're just a good old boy system. And I was like, good old boy system, because I'm thinking this yep. is twenty. I graduated in, uh twenty ten, so this would have been about twenty thirteen ish. I'm like, I'm not even thinking about that because I'm so far removed from it. Mind you, I yeah. grad I graduated from SCAD and everything was diverse and it was cool and great. Uh-huh. And I had a lot of great friends. And so it was like, man, things are kind of moving forward. But then it was like, wait, they want good old boy. You can't be I know I'm that in the South, but it right? can't be, right? This yeah. is twenty thirteen. But it is. And it just sunk in and I was like, dang. Wow. Kind of hurt. But then I was like, oh, yeah, I should have expected that, mm-hmm. you know, because it had happened. I've heard it and seen it so many times before. But my, my point was when you lump all these things together, yep. what do you expect? And then to flip it where on, on the other side, you, you have so you have poor areas. You don't have uh, you don't have money coming in through um businesses and loans for houses and stuff like that so it's poor the education in that area sucks what do you expect crime now i'm not making no excuse for crime i hate crime period you know i I think it's wrong to steal and sell drugs and whatever else goes on in any community not that those are, are black things um but that's a result of Lack of funding, lack of education, Absolutely. lack of investment. That's what happens. And so then because you have crime, then you have a policing mm-hmm. because there's crimes there. So you have a police coming in. The fact on that is, you know, if you look at the uh, 1990s crime bill, which they were going to crack down on drugs and, and crime where you had crack cocaine and um I'm slipping my mind, but basically they're the same drugs. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you had a higher sentence for one than the other, but you have a huge black and minorities doing one and the richer whites doing the other. Same, basically the same drug. So you have all these things going on is over policing a community. Yep. It's like, Dude, what do you expect to come out of all of this? This and these are systems that are overlapping. Mm-hmm. They're overlapping in certain communities hugely. Again, don't take what I say as a one-off and be like, "Well, that don't happen in my neighborhood and this and that." Or I got people down the street who were busted for selling meth and all that. It happens that yeah, these mm-hmm. things happen. I'm saying there's been systems where made it overlap within the where black they community. Conveniently overlook. Overlooked Other or slap on the wrist yes. or, well, you know, things are invested. And I mean, and there's there's huge more pieces mm-hmm. 
you know, to the puzzle. And I remind people, hey, look, we are not far out of um, the effects of slavery. I agree. You know, slavery, we talk, you know, three, four hundred years of slavery. And then um, I wish I had to put up a timeline. You know, what? again, educate yes. listeners, go out there and pull up the timeline. But, you know, we have civil rights in the 60s. So we had this slavery. Oh, I forgot. We got had sharecropping, which really won't all that great either. Mm-hmm. Then we had sharecropping overlap with Jim Crow all the way down to the civil rights, which was just in the 60s, you know. And I didn't realize this, but my aunt went to a segregated school and they just had a graduation for her, I want to say last year. Because of segregation, she didn't get to graduate high school. Mm. And this was known. I didn't know, but this was known. And then when it came out in the paper and they did this graduation. They didn't walk at all. Wow. My aunt, yeah, segregated school. And so they just walked last year. My aunt is uh, 60-something. My mom, yeah, 60-something years old, almost 70. It's not that long ago. This is not that long. And it just shocked me. I'm like, wait, so we're we're still dealing with the effects Mm -hmm. of all of that. And so then you you have all these things. Like, get informed. Mm -hmm. So, So one of the things I would encourage you, if you want to, I want to say white people, yeah. You know, yeah, is to get informed, like take a pause and be able to look not necessarily in the mirror, but in the mirror because we are America. Mm-hmm. Look in the mirror of America, look in the mirror of your communities and say, wait, what's really going on? Maybe I really need to see mm-hmm. what's going on in this community. Yeah, people can come up out of situations and circumstances, true, but there's things that kind of, I don't want to say follow you, but mm-hmm. like, your parent, I'm having to teach my mom things, you know, because I was able to go to college and get an education and begin to learn some new things like investing and all that. I'm, I'm teaching my mom about investing. My mom didn't have that growing up. Why? Because her mom didn't. No one taught them about investing. The resources weren't there for that. And the resources yeah. weren't there. Yes. Neither was insurance, whether it's life insurance, health mm-hmm. insurance, all of these things. Like, in the, in you weren't the even 60s, allowed to get a loan. You weren't allowed to get a loan. There was companies who would not give you life insurance. They wouldn't give you health insurance. So this is, you know, all these things. Yeah, this is 2020. It's not today. Right. But we're seeing the effects of it. Absolutely. And so we got to start fighting together to overthrow these systems. You know, I'm, I'm not one to, to say, oh, police are bad. No, I, I see my police officers in my neighborhood all the time. We wave and I got friends who are police officers. And little do you guys know, I come from a law enforcement family. My mom is a corrections officer. Mm. My aunt works for the sheriff. She's a, uh, I want to say captain. She's not a captain. She's a lieutenant with the sheriff. Um, I have two other cousins who are corrections officer. And another cousin who is a, uh, I can't think, but when you get in trouble and you got to go see the, uh, see this person like every so often. Yeah, pro officer. Yeah, okay. So I come from a law enforcement family. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that I'm taking a dig on law enforcement. I love them. Mm -hmm. There are bad apples everywhere. They're bad white apples. They're bad black apples. Actually, let's not say apples. We all got a little bit of chocolate in us. That's something I thought thought about the the other day, that people like to say bad apples because I feel like it, it takes the sting away and makes it cuter. You know what I mean? 
to say somebody's just a bad apple, that doesn't sound, he's not calling it what it is. Right. It's, I think we should remove bad apple and just start saying, no, this person behaved like a bad person. Yeah. Right. Instead of, cause I feel like when you do that, it just, it sweetens it up. It I makes think we, it less we should harmful. call it out period. Like right. you, you mentioned earlier, if, so, if someone says an off the wall comment, it's like, wait, no, that's not cool to say. Absolutely. But I think the problem is, I think having these conversations, I'm learning a lot of my white friends mm-hmm. are either a scared of that confrontation 100%. or b kind of ignorant of it. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's so common to them that it goes over their head. Well, why question it? Because it's good for them. You know what I mean? This is this is the problem that I have with with fellow white people is where it feels like why even bother to research? Why bother to look? Because life is good for them, right? And and you know, that doesn't I'm not saying that they're necessarily bad people, but for whatever reason they're choosing to only focus on themselves and by doing so they're not focusing on all the other realities, like what it's actually like to be a person of color. I will never know. I can hear stories and I can see what I observe and know that those things that are happening are ugly, but I will never know what it feels like to have a target on my back. You know, like I'm never going to understand what that feels like unless things just for whatever reason reverse, I doubt which that. It will be, I don't ever see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then I will never know. And that's the point. It's, it, that's the sad reality is that I won't, but people of color will know and they have known. And the other issue that I have is that people like to say things like, well, they could they could work hard and, and blah, 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 which is ugly. Just going to go ahead and say right here, ugly. The issue that I don't think that those people realize is, let's just go back, 1865, Civil War ends, right? Slavery is supposed to be disbanding. Mm-hmm. And Juneteenth, then, which is coming up yes. in another, another week and a half. Yes, right. So we have that, okay? And then we let's just say we fast forward to the 60s, all right? Okay? And all up to that point really don't have rights. You're not going to get a loan. You're not going to have resources. Nobody's Oh, by the way, you. we we weren't a man, but then we were 3 fifths of yes, a man. Right. Okay? And so we were fighting all these views. Then we when we were recognized as a man, it was, yeah, you're a man, but you're not equal. Oh, let yes. me back up. You're a man, but you're African. Actually, you're not even an African. We don't know what you are. You don't have a home country. Mm. So this is why the 13th Amendment, I think it's 13th, had to come in and say anyone born on U.S. soil is an American. Absolutely. Because you were you were a slave and with three-fifths, you, you had no identity. Mm-hmm. Okay? They took that away from you. Stolen. Yes. History gone. And so we had the 13th Amendment to come back and say, oh, wait, now you're American. Mm-hmm. But then we still had to fight. Yeah, you're American, but mm, voting is not for you. Right. But then we fought to get voting. And, and while we fighting, uh, yeah, you're American, but you're less than American. So you use the back door. Right. Still having to separate, separate and segregate. You can't use certain fountains. You can't sit in certain places. Now, mind you, if you ask your grandparents, mm-hmm. they can they. Remember this, and some of you guys get asked your parents. Some of y'all parents will be old enough to talk about this. So this is not something distant that we're talking about, like when they like built you know the pyramids. People who were there, right? This is something that is a a near recent 
historical event. Right. So you have all of that happening, right? And so it's like we're expecting people of color to do from the 60s till now. You say blacks because it's, okay. a yeah. lot of the conversation is more towards black. Like when you say people of color, that that includes Asians. It's, that's, it's that's my, minorities yeah. and all. Yeah. And granted, guess, there have been issues in historical events with all types of people of color, minorities, but Asians uh, weren't slaves. Um, that's fair. They they did have the a a uh, like the Japanese did have the encampments after World War yeah. Two, but it wasn't as long, you know. So we want to center the conversation about where it should where, be where it should be focused. Okay, and, uh, yeah. And, so I think the fear is a white person is saying black. It seems like it's a bad word. Like what no, dude, I grew up in the nineties. Like right, we say, I'm sure. I'm black and I'm proud. Like yeah, yeah. because amazing. I don't call you. Check yeah. this out. This is this is one of my own personal struggles. Like. Last time I checked, I just did the census. I don't think the census said a European American, did it? It says white. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Last time I checked, it yeah. says white. And it'll say Hispanic. But then it says African American slash black. Well, I don't need the African part. I understand that's my origins, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm American and you say black. If you're going to say white, then you'll just say black because you don't say European American uh, or whatever other, you know, country of origin slash American. Right. So why would you have to designate it as African American? Mm-hmm. Now, I get it. That's the politically correct because sure. also saying black carries a negative connotation. Right. Not necessarily for me. Again, I grew up in the 90s where it was all about black power and all this stuff. And it wasn't black power to overthrow any other race. It was, you know. To be proud of what you yeah, are. Yeah, to be proud of what you are. Not not saying that, you know, white power is not necessarily bad, but people that say, you typically say white power from what I've seen in past history and near recent history have a whole different view Their of different. white power yes. than it is with black power. They feel as if that's their supreme. Exactly. And that's black, different. Black power never, right. has never, go look at history, you know, mm-hmm. um, Never has it been a supremacy issue. It's been a internal thing because, again, as the conversation was going, mm-hmm. you got to understand when we were, uh, uh, when, when blacks were in slavery, it was you are less than. Mm-hmm. Everything about you is less than. So the conversation has shifted to saying you're less than to know you are powerful. It is awesome to be you. Like, enjoy being you. It's a good thing being you. Mm-hmm. You're not supreme over anyone, but you being you is great. So it's okay to say black. Yeah. You know, I, I appreciate you clarifying and, and calling me out on that. Cause it is important because I feel like by not saying it, then it's denying your reality of who you are in essence. Right. I mean, by not saying black, it's like I'm taking another thing away from you and you know, That's I get that a lot too, too, right? I get a lot of people like, cause my, I, I got to tell you, my wife is Hawaiian. Uh-huh. Okay. And so when, when we get to, uh, everywhere I've been, uh, you know, moved around from being in the military and the churches and stuff, they get to know us and meet us. They think, Oh, you Hawaiian? Well, you like Hawaiian and what? Are you Samoan and mixed? Are you mixed? Because, you know, I am brown skin, you know, I'm milk chocolate, you know, <laughs> I'm not like dark chocolate. Um, and, I got light eyes and my hair is like brown. So people don't think I'm black. And I'm like, no, my, my mom black, my dad black, my grandma black. You know, they all are kind of my complexion. But as far as back as I know is my great grandfather, we're all like brown skin. But I'm I'm black. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. 
So it's just interesting that, you know, you say that and um, a lot of people have made these comments and they have to correct them. No, I'm, I'm a black man. Right. You know? Yeah. No, that's a good distinction to make. Um, but to, to jump back, what we were saying, though, is, you know, it's like we expect black people to do from the 60s till now what white people have had hundreds and hundreds of, of years to do. And it's like, hey, catch up. It's it's not it, from my perspective. That's how I'm seeing it. I mean, right. is that, how, how would you say is that? sort of close is it far off from from reality no i I think it is um for me i mean it is true yeah there have been stumbling blocks hurdles barrier walls um in the black community progressing and moving forward does that stop us should that stop us no i i i I get but i don't get both sides of the arguments it's like yeah it's like doing an obstacle course and a person beside you is just running a sprint. Yeah, of course you're going to get there at the end if you running a sprint with no obstacles. Of course. Mm-hmm. But don't expect me to do it in the same time. 100%. You know, or you know what? Come come run this obstacle course with me. Another point I, I want to bring out is, mm-hmm. you know, get beside people. Like I'm a um big proponent of making sure my family has a a multicultural background because obviously we're a multicultural family my wife is hawaiian actually she's hawaiian and filipino and so like when i when i read my bible and i look in revelations i see john uh saying that when he looked in heaven he saw a multitude of people that no one could number so the multitude of people was all races mm-hmm. and then there was a number like individually he couldn't number them because it was so many of these multitudes of people and so I'm struck by that to say my life should be that way. Like, I don't want my life and my worldview to be one-sided mm. because I'm missing something. I'm missing an education. I'm missing an understanding uh, uh, culturally, um, politically, economically, you know, if I only understand one view. So my encouragement to a lot of you listeners, especially if you're white or whatever, Go and surround yourself with other people who don't look like you. Mm-hmm. That's part of the problem because we stay in our our, our circles mm-hmm. and we stay with people who generally look like us because we think we're comfortable there. Mm-hmm. I, I can bet you, you you probably get around some black people and probably get a little, <laughs> little bit comfortable. I know you get fed good. <laughs> um, you, you might even have a great time because... Um, Black culture is an, an experiential culture. Mm-hmm. You know, when when one person hurt, we all hurt. But when one person celebrate, we all celebrate. Mm-hmm. This is why if you look at the music, it's like out there and it's, you know, you, it's more than just the music and the lyrics. It's this feeling mm-hmm. that comes with it. Man, it's, it's about the experience. Like, get out there and, and change your circles and, and make your circle look more like a rainbow of different colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't, don't just sit back, you know, and it's okay to not know and, and, and say, well, I don't know nothing about black culture or whatever, mm-hmm. but, uh, I just want to make some new friends. Yeah, I absolutely. I think it can be intimidating, not because of the reasons people would think, I think it can be intimidating because it can feel like maybe at least in my experience. So like when I was in, in high school, you know, I had friends who were black. That wasn't an issue. 
but I think once you get out of high school and you're in the real world where you don't have that social network, starting new friends as one is hard as is. I think what the problem is, honestly, and I think back to a conversation I had with my youngest daughter about um, just making friends. You know, we were talking about transitioning from middle school to high school and um, a bunch of other things. Um, just talking about making friends. It's a lot of times what I notice kids and I've, I've had this even with students that I mentor, there's this awkward moment going to a new school, mm-hmm. a new area. You're the new kid, quote yep. unquote, and you don't know anybody, um, et cetera. So it's that weird feeling. I was like, you know what? I think we're so scared of being awkward that it prevents us from doing things. And I told her, I was like, why don't you become queen of being awkward? And she looked at me weird. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm like, look, I've been to a number of job interviews and it's awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to sit down and talk with somebody you don't know. You're trying to get this job. You know, uh, they trying to fill you out. You want a good pay. Maybe they don't want to pay you as well because they got a bottom dollar that they have to maintain. Mm-hmm. All these different awkward things about it. But you sit through it and you put your best foot forward and you put your best face on and you work through the awkwardness. Yeah. And you get the job. Mm-hmm. Well, if we could take that same mentality saying, okay, you want the job. You want whatever's on the other side. And you're willing to be awkward to get it. Yeah. So if we take that same mentality, okay, we're looking for new relationships. We want, you know, diversity in our life. We're not sure how to get it. But if we accept the fact that this is going to be awkward, mm-hmm. But the gold, the prize on the other side is more important and is worth it. Yeah. I'm willing to be awkward and accept the fact that um, it's going to be awkward only at first. Right. Because now that you're at that job, Mm -hmm. after a week, after a month, it's no longer awkward. You know people, y'all talking, you're laughing, you're making good money, you're doing things. The same thing is going to be after that initial introduction, weird conversation, a week later, two weeks later, a month. It's no longer awkward. You're getting to know each other. You're experiencing things. You're doing life together. It's the same thing. So it's not a stumbling block. It's not a problem to, you know, the the black people in your community when you walk up to them. Now, it's odd if you be like, hey, hey, black guy, I want to have a relationship with you. That might be a little weird. Sure. That might be really, wrong really approach. weird. Yeah. 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 Wrong approach. But I'm, I'm sure there is a black person around you that you know and you can have a conversation with and explain, hey, look, I don't know you well and I want to get to know you better. Yeah. How about we do that? Maybe, and and then if you're not sure, a simple invitation to dinner, whether it's at a restaurant or at your house. Me, I preferably say at your house because we hardly have people at our home. Usually the people that come to your home are close to you. And that eat at your dinner table, okay? That's a good way to start this relationship is bringing them into your safe place, your Mm -hmm. sacred place, your home, your dinner table. I think the dinner table is sacred, and I think it's the heart of the family, even the heart of the community. And so bringing them to this place that's the heart allows them to see you because then as they're coming into your home, you're opening up your life to them. Saying, I trust you. Yeah, and... Guess what? They'll open up to you. It's like, wow, I get to see your family. Let me tell you a little bit about me. And as you continue that and then be okay saying, you know what? How about 
next time we have dinner at your house. Then this dialogue and this relationship is being built. Mm-hmm. And then when things happen, say, hey, man, uh, I just want to have a conversation about this. And, you know, I'm not sure I got the best view. And I want to I want to get an understanding mm-hmm. that always just those words. I want to get a better understanding. It's always good. If your boss yeah. came to you, think about this, right? For those of you guys have a job. Instead of your boss coming to you and say, God dang it, you messed up this and that or fire you or whatever, you'd be on edge if those conversations were like that. But if your boss came to you and said, hey, that report that you did, um, I want to understand how you put together those numbers that way. Mm -hmm. Even if they were wrong, maybe he didn't say they were wrong. He just asked you, he or she, Mm -hmm. asked you, hey, I want to understand how you uh, put those numbers together. That's a softer uh, uh, not even a blow, it's but that's your approach. Yeah, it's easy point. approach, and yeah. then you'll be like, "Oh, what I did was, you know, this and this, and I got these numbers from over here, and this is why I did that." Mm-hmm. That's that's the same way. Hey, I want to get an understanding of you know what's going on. Right? Can we talk about it? There's got to be some self reflection where we're willing to put aside our views, um, because not every black person you have ever dealt with is the black person that's standing in front of you. And the same thing, you know, on the other side, and every white person or or, or Hispanic or whatever mm-hmm. race or whatever person, individual you want to say, they're not, you know, your past. Yeah, whatever I do, I don't speak for all white people, right? Exactly. So I like playing guitar. Not all white people love playing guitar, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not the, the say all be all for, for all things white your wife she's hawaiian and filipino like how was that i mean that's a different culture as well so what was that like like learning about her culture like well what? i i'm a sponge okay. i like i like culture yeah and especially food too like so it was interesting that okay we start dating and get to learn about hawaii and the only thing i kind of knew about hawaii i knew a little bit what they teach you in school hawaii's is island right. um you know, it's all these beautiful shores and the beaches and the girl do hula. And that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting to know her, learning about Hawaii culture, Hawaiian culture and the spirit of Aloha, even historical events and things in Hawaii, which, oh, by the way, that's a whole nother conversation because Hawaii became a 50th state by being stolen land. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Businessmen marched into uh, the Queen's Palace. Uh, I'm sorry, Marines marched into the Queen's Palace and overthrew her. And this was in the early 1900s. Uh, 19, I want to say it was in the like 40s. Yeah, that's sickening. Stolen land. Hawaii wants to be a sovereign land, but it's kind of hard now. But again, that's another, you know, racist uh a systemic issue in our country that a lot of people don't know about so it was it was interesting to learn this because i said the same thing wait what yeah you you, it's stolen land like this was not they didn't want to become a land but she was a sovereign ruler was kicked out of her own palace Mm. what and this would have happened in like my grandma lifetime so it's it's systems yeah so I mean, look but, at America. I mean, obviously, we all know what happened to the Native Americans. So it's like, all right, you know, we're sitting here fighting battles about things that we feel entitled to. And this wasn't even our homeland to begin with. Nobody's. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's very messed up. It's it's so bizarre to me. Well, that that's the the sin issue where we see greed. Yeah, and, and you know, um, that that's just that's like that is evil. You know, evil knows no race, no continent, no bounds, even waters. It it just is what it is. But just to learn about cultures and, and hearing that, I was like, oh my gosh, that is crazy that. Mm-hmm. It, it completely changed my view of things, you know, when you look at politics and things. Because I remember we lived in Hawaii. And I was like, man, why are these people having a protest downtown about sovereign land? Like, mm-hmm. why? Because everything I knew about Hawaii was beautiful beaches, mm-hmm. tourism, and hula and great food with beautiful women. I was like, what's the problem in that? <laughs> right. You know, who's complaining? Yeah. Why are you complaining? Sovereign land, what? Oh, your land was stolen. Oh, Ooh, that is a problem. Yes. So I get it. Like, there's more to what's really going on mm-hmm. than what most people know. And that's including, like, now when people, you know, uh, uh, have issues, whether it's with Black Lives uh, a Matter or any type of protest, like, they're looking at surface level mm-hmm. and saying, no, I, I don't, I don't get it. I try to explain it this way. So there's a scab on my leg and it's bandaged up, okay? But if this bandage keeps getting ripped off and there's still an infection in there, Mm -hmm. that leg is going to never heal or whatever it is, the wound is. That wound is going to never heal because there's an infection in there and then the bandage keeps getting ripped off. Mm -hmm. And it's irritating it. So it's irritating it. Yeah. But then you... Put a new bandage on it, and it kind of feels a little bit better. So we go a little bit of time. Mind you, there's still an infection down in there, but it feels a little better, and it's covered up. And then it gets ripped off again. It's like, God dang it, again, that freaking hurts. Would you stop ripping it off? Oh, by the way, can we deal with the infection inside of it, please? So that's what a lot of things that are going on, that's how I kind of equate it. Let's deal with the infection, what's going on, And then let's get a bandage on it and let's not rip the bandage off, but let it heal. Mm -hmm. And then we can take the take the bandage off and then let it heal on its own, because that's what the scab is supposed to do. The scab is supposed to allow it to heal on its own. Mm -hmm. We just haven't scabbed over as a country. We haven't dealt with infection or infection on the inside either. Mm -hmm. Again, and that's those are systematic things. White people, you can walk alongside us. To say, hey, these are issues. Maybe I don't understand them, but these are issues if you lay the facts out there. Now, granted, it's not a one-for-one everything. Like, uh, where I live is not, you know, I don't live in a uh, 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 poor or government housing. You know, I don't have crime that happens a lot in, around my neighborhood. That's not necessarily true of everybody, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, but there are issues that we still need to deal with as a country. I may not have to deal with being over-policed in my neighborhood for those reasons. Mm-hmm. That don't mean that does not happen somewhere else. Somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you look, you see an over-policing and then you see crooked cops doing things to boost numbers of arrests and things like, you know, planting false evidence, lying on, um, the police report and things. Again, that's not all cops, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. And there should be and need to be consequences for that. There should be some way of being able to look into that. Mm-hmm. 
You know, there is abuse of authority. And we're starting to see that more and more and more. And there should be a way to hold them accountable for their actions. I mean, I am. If, if, if I do something wrong, I am held accountable to the highest extent of the law. Absolutely. You know, and I would yeah. expect someone to hold me accountable, if, especially if I did something dumb. If I killed somebody or, you know, if I just went out and premeditated murder, yeah, hold me mm -hmm. to the extent of the law. Yeah. If, if I hurt somebody or maimed somebody or whatever, but we need to do the same thing for our, our politicians, yeah. for our police officers, for white people, for period, everyone across yeah. the board. I mean, look at it. There's the cases of, you know, Brock Turner, the white guy who, you know, raped a, a woman and got off pretty easily. <laughs> and there's plenty of people, uh, you know, black who have misdemeanor, small things and they serve longer sentences. It's just, it's not equal. I don't know how anybody can look right at the facts and say that that it doesn't happen because it, it does i mean it's it's reality it's re it's reality and and that's you know that's again that's moving into our judicial system yes again another form of uh, uh systematic oppression it's just systemic things that are out there that we need to start taking a look at that that other people either are ignorant of and i get it there's there's a lot of i've had white friends that are ignorant to a lot of things and, and can admit that and that's i i you know kudos to you when you can say hey i'm ignorant of this like mm -hmm. can you help me get some understanding kudos to you to to know uh to to be able to have the self-awareness to say i don't know some things and I'm okay saying with I don't know. A lot of people are sometimes scared to say I don't know. I tell my kids that all the time. Dad, I don't know. Like, let's go Google it and find out. Right. There's nothing wrong with saying I don't know. Well, speaking of your kids, what what are um, some of the things that either maybe like fears about raising them here in America and the climate? And then what are some of the things that excite you and that you, the reverse of that, um, you feel about raising kids so okay, let's let's start on the fear side. Okay. I like to say I don't really have fears. Okay, um, I'm not a fearless person, but um, you don't let it overtake you. I, yeah, I don't let it overtake me. I've always said that I want to um, be a statistic in the fact that I overcome statistics and mm -hmm. become a new statistic. Um, so I've raised my kids to be smarter than. Uh, the circumstance, not necessarily the people, but the circumstance around them. I, you know, I think they're pretty street smart. They're educated. All of them are pretty much straight A students. But we talk about life lessons and things that go on. And I do remember having a conversation with my son about driving mm -hmm. and how to interact with police officers. Um, and, yeah, they are people in authority. But I remember just having this conversation of, you know, watch your movements and, and watch what you do how you say it, A, because you, you're talking to an adult and a person in authority, but B, talking to, <laughs> this just reminded me again, talking to him of what happened to me when I was younger. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was harassed by a police officer. And, you know, there's a part of me that still gets, Nervous about it. And I'm I'm 42, 250 pounds. Like, if I got to defend myself, I think I can. Right. And there's still a part of me that gets nervous for those incidences when, when I was younger. And then I have to, you know, snap my mind and be like, okay, I'm not necessarily in those situations, even though it could happen again. Mm -hmm. But 
I don't want my mind to live in fear. But I do remember talking to him about that Mm -hmm. and how to engage police officers or anybody in authority or, or, you know, his teachers or, or people in the community or somebody who might say something overtly racist to him and how mm-hmm. do, you know, um, how he should handle himself in that situation. I, I get compliments all the time on my children that they're great. They're smart, yeah. the way they carry themselves. So, um, what excites me is watching them, um, in this day and age, you know, uh, how I think, man, these guys are going to shock the world. They're going to change the world. Like yeah. their passion, um, not just for injustices and things, but their passion for people. Like my kids got bleeding hearts, you know, and that that goes back to prouder, part of being black in the black culture, at least for me and growing up in my community and black culture that I grew up in. You know, you hurt, we hurt. Right. Like if you're in my circle, God dang, man. I'm hurting with you. you. You lost your job. Dang it. I lost my job too, man. We we got to figure out something here. Let's live together. That's how I grew up. You know, um, I can remember growing up like eating dinner at my grandma's house because we didn't have. I remember eating with friends, you know, and never, never looked at us sideways with, you know, taking care of us. It was that's what we did. We are a community. We're a culture. We're a family. And so I watched them now kind of walk into that. I remember, <laughs> and I had to catch myself because, you know, I was paying money on my son's lunch. And then I was looking one day, I was like, why the heck? I just put money on your account. Why is, why is you don't have any money? Oh, dad, uh, my friend was hungry. And, you know, I just, I just been buying him lunch all week. And my first thought was, what? <laughs> and then I was like, wait. Oh, okay. I don't even know the situation and circumstances. I don't need to ask. Whatever. You know what? Take care of your friend. I, I get it. That's your friend, and he had a need, and you fulfilled it. Like, freaking go That's do it. Feel- like, my kids have this pro- approach that it's not you that needs to fix this problem. What can we do? Mm, they take ownership of it, leadership. Like, we are going to solve this together. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's not you versus me. It's us. And, and I love seeing that. And I'm like, man, these guys going to shock the world because mm-hmm. they hit the gate running. And they're younger than what I was when I finally got involved. You know, they're still in school. You know, I watched my daughter reach out to Clemson and says, hey, what can we do? Here's some things I noticed. Now, how can we? Here's what we can do to fix some things. We, we, we. I'm like, go ahead. I'm I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's emotional hearing (laughs) it. I I mean, you could probably see it in my eyes. It's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's got to be a really proud moment to know that the work that you two did as parents and the people in their lives and, and that's who they are. They want to make a difference and they want to work together. And it's, it's like a, that to me, I hear leadership. When you say that I'm hearing, oh, they're leaders. (laughs) They are. Leaders figure out how they can unite people and how, like, what can we do and not just talk about it, but like, yeah. no, we're not just going to talk about it. We're going to do the thing. Man, that's do. leadership one-on-one, man. I had, when I was in the military, I had leaders come and tell me, Hey, don't bring me a problem without bringing me a solution. And I used to hate that at first. Cause I'm like, dude, well, here's an issue and I ain't sure about it. And so I had one leader pull me aside and was like, look, I need you to have skin in the game. Mm-hmm. 
Don't bring me a problem. You ain't got skin in the game. Don't expect me to do everything because because I'm the quote unquote leader. But we got to figure it out. If it bothers you, maybe I'm oblivious to it. I don't know. Or I don't necessarily know how to fix it. Dude, this has been one for me. Very educational. <laughs> one, I, did, I had no expectation because I didn't know where we were going to go. There was no format. It's not like we like I had a few questions. But other than that, there's no format or like the way that this. Flows. Yeah. But I feel like the, the takeaways from the conversation for me would be it's okay to feel awkward. Yes. In fact, you should, you should celebrate it. And, 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 and the approach, it. the awkward in the approach to the conversation. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like it's, it's okay. Make yourself a little uncomfortable if you make your, like just go out and diversify things. Uh, I think just being willing to educate ourselves yeah. and to, to put in the work to do that. And, and to, to recognize that just because I have an experience, that experience isn't true for everybody else. Right. Right. And so I can't look through the world completely rose colored glasses. You have to acknowledge that other people have had harsh experiences. And, and so white people, for me, that would be the challenge is to recognize that our experience is not everybody else's experience. And right. need to be aware of that. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. This, this is awesome, man. So, uh. Uh, I love I love it. We can do another one, man. Anytime, man. Anytime. 